Um, oh, then I went to um, your front end framework is Overkill, uh, server side JavaScript with Rails, which is a very uh, it's a clickbaity headline. I'd say. Uh, oh my yes. <laughs> uh, and it was not that way at all. I was um, I don't know. I was a little upset about the title because uh, you know server side JavaScript. Whenever whenever you're doing simple like building a simple app and and doing something extremely simple like creating creating a new record and just wanting to display that um, in the exact same context, server-side JavaScript is built for that. Like you don't need to write callbacks. You don't need to render. Um, you don't need to spit out JSON. You don't need to um, in, inject that using jQuery. It's just you can take a view, or a partial, and just send it back with um, wrapped around a JSON inject. So, well, I think you know, I, or a jQuery eject. I may get back to this later, but it, it seems like there are two paths, which is you can either render the application on the server or you can render it on the client. Mm-hmm. And seldom does it make sense, I think, to do to do both. Right. And yeah, people, I, I think the part, portions of the community end up talking past each other because if you've gone the we render. 90 N percent of the application on the server, then it, like keeping it up to a hundred percent is going to make a lot of sense or else you're going to have trouble reasoning about things. Yep. And if you render any decent portion on the client, then you're going to go the other way and say right. like, so, so all roads lead to one of those two sort of polar destinations. Right. And just because it makes, I mean, it, it just makes more sense to have it one way or another. Like you, you don't, if you're doing one, it's painful to do the other because it's just where your head is. Like, you know, you know, your views are being rendered somewhere or like a remote requests are being rendered somewhere. You should just be able to look one place and not have to think about, well, is it here or is it there? I think that that's why, you know what, we're going to flip to some of my comments on DHH's presentation. We'll get, sure. back, we'll get back to the end of the day. Cause now we're talking sure. about it. So I think that, uh, this issue is one of the reasons why like what's right for Basecamp isn't that interesting of a question for many people because what's right for Basecamp now has got to consider that Basecamp is a very large um, application that's been around a while and mm-hmm. server rendered. So like if I was running Basecamp, of course um, I would uh, sort of figure out if possible, if possible, how to keep um, down the server rendered path because I'm already so far down it and still get the interactive benefits that I'd like with things like Action Cable and uh, Turbo Links 3, which is, you know, all basically trying to solve this problem of, of how do I have a server rendered app that is responsive? You know, that, that, that responsive is overused now, but that feels snappy and like a modern application. Right. Um, so, so I don't like, I, I wouldn't, I don't even think it's that interesting of a question to say, should Basecamp switch? I think a much more interesting question is to say, if you're starting a new application, like if, if, you know, Basecamp, the company is starting a new application or another company is starting a new application, whether it's a small company or a medium size or a big company, what's the best path? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that like my take is that I would keep, if I was Basecamp, I would keep Basecamp like Basecamp and try to go server rendered as much as possible. But if I was starting something new, I absolutely wouldn't do that. Like that, and a couple of the points that I thought were particularly off on his presentation was one conflating microservices with API first design didn't make any mm-hmm. sense to me. Mm-hmm. And like, he's a super smart guy. So I don't like, I don't believe that he actually conflates those ideas. Um, you know, that, that a, uh, thinking about the server application as offering the API as its sort of core function that is consumed by various things. The idea that that's splitting up an app into, you know, lots of little apps. So they're easier to reason about is, is, uh, I just don't buy that. He actually thinks that. Right. Um, but it definitely, it definitely is a strategy for like, if you're building an app, you, if you're building two apps, like two services that are going to need to talk to each other, you're going to do that through APIs. Like you're going to build it as an API. Yeah. So the idea that, that the server my I think that the contention, you know, contention of the um, client rendered folks and folks that advocate for API first development is that you'll have many clients, even a simple app is going to have many clients. And in fact, I think he made this point really 
strongly in his presentation, which is, you know, table stakes is having, uh, you know, your web and your mobile web and, you know, perhaps a few client, um, native clients like iOS, Android, perhaps the Mac, perhaps windows, and probably uh, sort of third party integration clients. Mm-hmm. So now you, and that's just like for most companies, you're going to have at least half of those. Right. Um, and if you go that way, then, then building sort of, uh, not seeing the API itself as your sort of core, uh, the core responsibility of your server that you build around and instead saying that, that seeing it that way is, is, is sort of prematurely op- optimizing around microservices. I found it so frustrating. I, I find it frustrating when a very, very smart person makes an argument. I don't really buy. Mm-hmm. They mean, I get that. Um, but I also like, I don't know. I, I, so I, I was doing contracting and, and part of my contract, like, package was like the time limit like you've you've three months we have three months together to build this thing and so we had to be diligent about what we would put in that those three months like what features were important what features weren't and building building like an api and building the like building two things an api and a client for something just was not even it was never in the cards for that if you're trying to do something quickly Uh, oh i think this is baloney i I think that that's true for at a given point in time for someone. So, okay, take me as an example. Right now, which would be faster? Could I go server rendered and you know also add on the API, um, and you know hit hit a deadline, or would it be faster for me to go server, you know, API only on the server and then build a web client that consumed it in Ember, say? Uh, I would still be faster on the server side, but that has jack nothing to do with anything fundamental and everything to do with, I'm just better at Ruby and rails right now. Yeah. Uh, and that that's, that's a huge point is I wouldn't know how to build uh, simultaneously a client, uh, a client and an API. But that's um, just the limitations of us right now. Like, it is. In but, a year? Yeah, but I mean, this is like when people are like, oh, I'm too old to learn something new. I just, you know, I, I, I'm not buying that. So, not- for example, in a year, uh, will, like, if uh, someone that had whatever skills they have, say, like, my skills uh, and aptitude, if I say, okay, the client rendered application and API first development on the server, assuming multiple clients for it is the right path. And I'm just going to force myself to get as good at Ember and JavaScript as I am with Ruby and rails, and then separate the responsibilities accordingly in a year. I will, I I am positive. I would not be slower, um, going server for the API and then client for the rendering of the application. I'm positive. Sure. Sure. So, okay. That, that is a, an argument made for, you know, someone who does not know how to do that. Then, like that, that that is my argument right now. Is that that's why I would not spin up an API thing, and that's fine. Um, where am I going with this? I'm, where am I going with this? Argument? Yeah, but, but I mean, so but, but th- this is so. Keep in mind that the argument that that I think that he was making that you're repeating, it, um, this came from the guy that decided to from scratch build a framework because he wanted to use Ruby. In other words, there was a point in his development life in David's development life where he made extreme choices, mm-hmm. like life altering extreme choices just so he could write Ruby that, that we've all benefited from. Right. So yay. Um, but the idea that, that there may be an upfront investment required to get what you want long run, like it's sort of baked into his story. He made this massive investment so he could write Ruby. I'm just saying like, what if there are other goals outside of, I want to write Ruby all day? Like what, what if what's right for the application and for what's right technically doesn't align with, I want to write Ruby all day. Cause I'd much rather write Ruby all day than JavaScript, but that doesn't like mean that I, I, uh, I won't take a look at, um, answers that may have me writing JavaScript. Sure, sure. And and another thing here is um, the apps that I've built are certainly going to be different than the apps that you've built. So I am used to reaching for different tools um, to solve different problems. You know, so the 
like the idea of uh, API first development doesn't necessarily apply because most of the things that I've built are like document, like they're, they're much closer to Basecamp. Um, I also think this is total baloney. Oh, right. This is going to be the, I think this is total baloney episode. Yeah. I, I just, I think that, uh, when, yeah, yeah, there are many sort of oft repeated, um, expressions around this sort of thing, but like when you have a hammer, things look like a nail and when what you know how to do is build applications that are server rendered and therefore feel static, then you can many things I'd, I'd argue most things can fit into that paradigm. Um, I mean, take just as an example, take, um, what, what's the name of Basecamp's chat app campfire. Uh, I mean, they even fit campfire into that mode through three second polling, you know, where no one would actually think that, that server rendered with a tiny bit of JavaScript sprinkled in to pull every three, you know, three seconds is the right way to do a chat application. I mean, do you think that's how Slack does it? No, oh. that that's the wrong way to do that. Of course it is. It's you know, absolutely you know, the wrong way to do that. So I think that this, I think this idea that most applications, um, including those that Basecamp have built are, somehow sort of fundamentally different than they're document centric and not application like, and therefore more suited for server rendering. I just think is baloney. I just don't think it's true. Like, well, I mean, and in I fact, I don't make... think, I don't think that, sorry, I don't think that the push towards, I think the push towards act, action cable in JavaScript or JavaScript three, hell turbo links three sort of, it, it makes that point. Like they've long ago, um, accepted the fact that their, their applications aren't document centric. You know, that's why those, that's why those features exist. Right. Uh, and, and to make it appear like with, with Turbulinks to make it appear as if it is just a, a constantly moving application. But I mean, I, I would never build like a, uh, you know, a, a blog, a, a client side blog application. Like I would never build, like separate those two things. Okay. Know, why? Because I don't need to. Because like I, if somebody's reading something, they're going to get a page load. Um, yeah, if, if somebody's reading something, they're going to do a single page load, and then they're going to scroll down and read it, and then they're going to leave. Uh, the user doesn't need um, to keep like as much as we want them to keep clicking around. They're going to come to the to the page, read something once, and then leave. Okay, so let me. Uh, uh, for what it's worth, I think this is the only, okay, only strong. <laughs> the main good argument left, except within a year, uh, the, the, well, let's take Ember cause it's the one that I'm more familiar with, sure. but it'll be true for the others too. So within a year, uh, Ember will support server rendered, um, sort of pre or what do they call it? They call it fast boot as the application, but I'm trying to remember what the technique is called. Uh, well, anyways, the idea is that, uh, uh, there's a node server that runs that can take the request for the URL and spit back the sort of pre-rendered HTML. And then the JavaScript comes second. And then over the next N seconds, you know, one to two to five seconds, whatever it is, then the app gets wired up. So in other words, the experience would be identical between server rendered and client rendered because when you went to the URL, you get back the page that's the HTML and then the application gets backfilled in, you know, in back of it. So that's the way that client rendered apps are going to work soon. It's just so complicated for me. Like for, from my like tiny designer head, like that just does not like I just write HTML and have it sent to, to the, the browser and have it render that well because that's what it knows okay so do you let's 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 uh explore this opinion for a second sure do you use sas um when i can i, I i'm in rails 2.3 now so i'm just using css okay so but but, but like, i would i would give in the opportunity or and, and i it, for anyone listening it's like this isn't a great analogy i know it's not a great analogy i'm just going with the the whole like uh i think uh this idea that your current tools are simple. There, there's a difference between familiar and simple. That's my point. Mm-hmm. So, okay, SAS complicates the hell out of things. Uh, sort of, right? I mean, in that you could just write the CSS, but instead we jump through hoops, uh, you know, to to write uh, uh, 
our CSS in a more sort of, I don't know, elegant way, you know, and then that gets compiled into the CSS or Hamel. Do you use Hamel? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't use Hamel as a side. I, oh, I, I, it's the same, it's the same argument where I, it, I like being able to see what's being like, like I like seeing the HTML that I'm writing and having it sent. So, I mean, if you write Ember templates as an example, I mean, you're writing HTML. I mean, the only point here is that instead of when the user goes to, you know, your app.com slash foo, instead of that hitting, you know, uh, AWS or DivShot, wherever that client app is, getting sent down the JavaScript payload, which then when the app boots, it says, oh, you've asked for slash foo. That means I do the following. Okay. Instead of that, what's happening is that when you, when you go to your app.com slash foo, it hits a node server, which returns the pre-rendered slash foo and then the JavaScript, and then it wires it up. I mean, it's not that much more complicated. I just don't buy it. It's not that much more complicated, but I mean, we've, we've had this mechanic in place with just basic HTTP requests, like from a server, like I would like this page, give this to me. Like, yeah. Okay. Rail. I mean, it's not, I mean, that's fine. If you had like a server sitting out there with like dot HTML files that are being returned, but that's not what you're, that's not what rails is doing. I mean, think about the, think about the hoops that are jumped through when you just request, you know, your app.com slash about, and it hits the controller and then that does whatever work it does to gather the resources it needs to render. And then it passes it off and it's rendered, or maybe it caches and then it sends it back down. That's not hitting a file. I'm just saying that the, like the alternative isn't that much different. Right. But the, like, I don't know, conceptually, it's just, it's simpler to me, like than than. Like I, I'm, I'm building a page and then sending it to you instead of sending you something that builds a page. Does that make sense? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, and in the case of sort of server pre-rendered stuff, it's I'm sending you a page that I rendered and then sending you the application that will handle the rest. Right. Um, I think that I just would want to make the distinction between what's familiar to me and what is simpler. Right. They're not the totally, same ideas. That's fair. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fair. Um, because familiar, like you said, with like SAS, SAS is a, an abstraction on top of you know an abstraction. So it's not simple by any means, but it's at least familiar and more concise. You know, CoffeeScript as well. It is not simpler because there's this whole level of abstraction in there that you have to. If things go wrong, you have to figure. You have to still know the original JavaScript and be able to debug that. Um, so it's not simpler. It's just a little bit, it's, it's much less of a cognitive load, uh, to, to write those types of things and it's familiar. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the, like an ultimate rails and example of, of this sort of idea is coffee script. Like I think that, um, well, I've heard David talk about this and if his, his, I mean, his point, I guess, is that he just likes coffee script better. Um, but the idea that that's, and I think that some number of people that learned coffee script first would say coffee script is simpler. I think actually a lot of people would say that if, if that's what they, if that's how they enter JavaScript, right? They like were first a Ruby or rails programmer. They had to do some JavaScript. They went with the default, which is coffee script. And then, then now that feels simpler to them where coffee script is obviously not simpler. No, um, way more complicated than just using, using JavaScript in the first place. Yeah. And, and that's the thing like. Maybe it's because I've been in Rails two three for so long, but I'm I'm just much more comfortable writing plain. I say plain JavaScript, but that includes like jQuery and all of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I I don't know. Maybe that's an abstraction that I've just decided I don't need anymore. So, well, I think I I think that you've done a good job sort of making this point again and again that. Um, things that are familiar to us are familiar to us and things that are new feel, feel scary. And if you could get what, uh, if you, if you could sort of avoid a trade off, um, feature performance wise while staying, um, with the thing that you currently use that's familiar and that you like, you would, but like, I would rather people just say it that way. Like I'm familiar with it. I don't, uh, if I can figure out how to keep using it, uh, 
then I'd rather do that as long as the trade-offs aren't too high than start than instead starting to say that like the alternative is somehow dumb because that's, uh, that's where like my tolerance starts to go down. Oh, that's wrong. That is a very wrong um, um, argument. It, it's or calling them microservices, you know, <laughs> which is silly because that's not what it is. Yeah, and, and I think that that I mean that um, that should go that should go unsaid. But it also like that kind of makes I don't know kind of makes me sound like a luddite. Like I don't I don't want to learn something new if I don't have to. Which that's not necessarily the case. Like I love learning new things. It's just I don't. Um, I mean, I've, I've spent time, like I've spent time in, in front and stuff with like backbone and Ember and, um, angular. And it just, it just always felt like I was doing too much work to reinvent something. Um, you know, the, the traditional request response thing, um, that I needed to. So and, I think that there is something fundamentally like uh, my theory and I'm like still working on it is that the reason that this topic gets particular, you know, quite fiery. Mm-hmm is that I actually think that this is religious, like server rendered versus client rendered in that. Like, I think one way you could define religion as something that cannot coexist with another thing that serves a similar purpose. Sure. And not, not in the, um, not in like a, a, a blind, like faith dedication. It's more of like a mutually exclusive kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, most, uh, you know, of course, there are examples of, you know, ecu. What's the word? Ecumenicalism. Ecumenicalism, which is you know, religions getting along and getting along. But that's like that's people getting along and getting along. Sure. The, the religion itself does not get along. Right. It, it, like it's it's like every religion has in its definition there is only me. Right. Right. And, and I think that that server rendered versus client rendered basically has there is only me there is only one god and i am him in it right and that's not to say that one is better than the other like is you know christianity superior to islam uh it doesn't actually that's actually not the question i mean that is a question i think actually but but the reason that they get don't can't get along is you know can't see eye to eye isn't because one is better than the other it's because that there's no room for both. Right. They, they are mutually exclusive. Yeah. And I think that server rendered and client rendered is that right. It is mutually exclusive. And, um, I find the contortions that the community goes through where like, you know, David gets up on stage and sort of, you know, uh, simultaneously slams the alternative, but says, you know, but Hey, I want to, I, I want the, the tent to be as big as possible. I would like, I think that that's good, right? I, I'd rather he say, I want the tent to be as big as possible. And I'd rather having dash dash API and rails five. Like, so I think that, that those are good things, but what I don't like is that the, the, I don't like that the uh, conversation about the topic isn't more sort of intellectually interesting yet. Cause it, it's not. Like, I think, I mean, I've heard interesting intellectual conversations about this debate, but I'm not hearing it inside of the Rails community. Sure. You know, I, I, I instead hear what I think is sort of like some combination of Ludditism and fear of the alternate religion, um, in part because I think that there's probably some suspicion deep down that maybe there's something to it. Well, let's uh, let, let's let's step back and like give give folks instead of going with Ludditism, um, let's let's give folks the benefit of the doubt. Well, you use that, that word. They, I just used it. Yeah, I, just, I, I did that. Well, because it, it felt like uh, it, that kind of was where I was being painted a little bit. And let's give both so- folks on both sides the, the benefit of the doubt and say that you've tried both and you've found what works best for you. Oh, like, I, I don't think people deserve that benefit of the doubt. I I, I would like to give it to them. Yeah, but I mean, is yeah. that do you? Uh, how how many people could fit into that category? And I'm not I'm not faulting people for not fitting in for what it's worth. That's like that's like saying that back to the religion analogy that I'd fault someone that's Christian for not giving Judaism a try. Right. Of course, so, I wouldn't fa- fault them for that. Right. Right. So I would all of the because of the nature of Rails, it's server side first. Um, that's what you learn as you're learning Rails, and then you go to client side rendering. All of the folks with client-side rendering, uh, who, who prefer client-side rendering, they have that 
that mindset. Like they at least have the experience of um, server-side rendering. Yeah. Okay. Is that fair? And um, Well, I mean, I don't know that that's totally true, but I think it's it's more true. It's more true than the other side. Yes. um, You know, server-side rendering folks have tried client-side rendering. Um, So... Yeah, I, I, I would say it's at least because it's a hot topic right now. And I would say that this is kind of, you know, we kind of have the same problem with, you know, RSpec and, you know, mini tests or the test unit um, syntaxes. They are both, they're mutually exclusive. You can't, you can't mix and match those. Yeah, but he, here's why the, here's why the conversation about those is intellectually interesting inside the Rails community. It's because neither of those threaten Rails. Those are inside of Rails. They are inside of Rails, yeah. Um, and it's, that's far more of a, like, just a, a lower level stylistic choice. I think, okay, so. Or a higher level stylistic choice where this is a much more lower level application design choice. I think, so here's Mike, here's how I'd frame well, at least one question around this, which is it, it's clear what the value proposition is from rails to the client rendered community. So take Ember, right? So, I mean, Ember core team is, you know, includes Yehuda Cass, who is one of the rails core team members and, and one of its most influential, you know, three or four people in its history. And so, and who loves rails still. And, what what the Ember community gets from Rails is dead clear. It gets a very mature uh, framework to build the server side of applications uh, in a language that people like, right? So like clear value proposition from Rails to Ember. The problem is, or a problem is, what's Ember's value proposition to Rails? Uh that 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 it, it expands the the uh, the types like the amount of types of applications that you can build with rails uh yeah okay so that's one maybe i mean you, you i think one way of of stating that or or maybe expanding that point is that it it can keep rails relevant mm-hmm that, yeah, that's a, that's a really good way to wrap that up or to, to summarize that. You know, re, if the world moves to more, you know, to use Ember's lingo, and I think React would say something similar, like more ambitious applications. Or, I mean, hey, as as things become more mobile and native, you know, you've got, you know, I mean, this already happened, but you've got phone apps and watch apps and client apps and whatnot that um, the extent to which there's coupling between the rendering of the interface and the server itself, then the more uh, something that decouples those is probably going to be the, the, the best contender. So the more, you know, the, uh, you know, Rails sort of needs to decouple the, the rendering from the rest of the application in order to fit the most number of use cases, including the hottest ones right now. Mm-hmm. But still, I don't that that that's that's not really something that the front end frameworks are offering to Rails. That's just something that Rails can do to survive a, a sort of a a different world. Um, in other in, in other words, I, I it still seems like the the Rails value proposition to you know outward vastly exceeds the value proposition that it's getting from any of these things. And I think maybe that's why there's, um, tension, right? Because, you know, they're, uh, the winds are not blowing in the direction of server rendering. Right. Where, where some folks would want it to be more of a symbiotic relationship. It's, you know, it it is not. No, it's it's like, Hey, we can take advantage of rails to be exactly what we want it to be, which does not include huge portions that it sees it itself sees as valuable. Right. And you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's like the sugar daddy of the, of the, the front end <laughs> frameworks. And like that kind of sucks. It does. But like, it doesn't suck for the, for everyone using the sugar daddy. It just su- sort of sucks for the sugar daddy, mm-hmm. except, you know, Hey, at least he's, you know, wanted around. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, another, so last bit, I found it interesting that um, I found it interesting that the majority of David's keynote was about JavaScript. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, in in you know, one way or another too. Like, I mean, Turbo Links is JavaScript, right? Uh, for, uh, for the most part, I mean, not not even for the most part. I mean, it is, and um, Action Cable is half JavaScript. Yeah. Um, have you have you built anything with uh, webhooks? Have you played with them? Like um, what, socket IO or web sockets? I just actually this week um, used Pusher. Yeah. Which yeah. I had never done before, which is uh, fantastic. Yeah, it's they're they're fans, they're they're really great. Um, one, one pusher, pusher and Action Cable are sort of the same gig. They are, they are, um, and I can see that kind of being a, a point of contention from Pusher. Like that, that's going to cause a problem because you're just kind of knocking them out of business, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I. It certainly will increase competition. Um, I think at the low end, in particular, because you know, I think I think what it'll do is make pushers' value proposition even more squarely about scaling. Yeah, um, because you know, it's not hard to have your your server application uh, handle uh, you know handle keeping connections open uh, for a relatively modest size application. But the idea that you could have like wild growth in the, in your needs to, to, uh, keep those connections open and that you'd want to like, say, you know what, I'll keep the core server app running, but to keep these persistent connections going with like thousands and ten or hundreds of thousands of users, I'm going to instead rely on an external service. You know, yeah. That's, that's just probably what it does to them. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that'll be, yeah, you're right there. And that's, I mean, I think that what, what it likely could do is, um, you know, it, it, maybe it'll create some standardization around interfaces. So like there, you know, and I actually, I think this is an interesting idea for rails to consider. So maybe you have kind of a, a backend agnostic, uh, interface for, um, you know, creating the, the messages, um, but that you could sort of swap in either, uh, uh, connections that your own application is responsible for managing, which is what Action Cable does, or you could delegate that to some external service without actually changing the implementation. Great, yeah, yeah, that's kind kind of like active job, uh, active job. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know if that's how they'll do it, but I that's how I'd prefer that they do it is yeah. is to sort of make a you know, make action cable, make a wrapper on action cable that could use action cable or something else as the transport. Just like using action cable is like the, this is the interface that you should be thinking about, um, like as a model for, for all of these other, you know, like, like pusher or like, um, whenever I, I was presented with this problem a couple of years ago, we used, uh, had to build a whole application with socket IO, um, just to handle all of that. And then threw that out eventually. And <laughs> I just went with pusher. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that what that would do to people like pusher or socket IO, uh, is there a company behind socket IO? There isn't right. No, there isn't. All right. So socket IO, the, the sort of the community or PubNub or whatever other alternatives there are now is that, you know, then they become like the dumb backend. So they, they clearly would resist having, you know, just be being like pluggable alternatives where the only differences are, you know, I don't know, latency and pricing models. Um, uh, you know, they'd rather you build around pushers API. Um, but rails obviously does, it would rather go the other direction. And I, I would rather rails go the other direction too. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. all right. La- last bit for me. Uh, about DHH's thing. So I paid close attention to his tone, given mm-hmm. how much you talked about it. Um, like, I kind of think you graded on a curve, but, but I, but fair, oh, I definitely did, but fairly. Yeah. Um, I mean, what was, what was quite obvious is that he, he was trying mm-hmm. and you know, that's worth something. Yeah. You got to give him points for effort. Um, and also, like there's there was that that moment where he just stopped and walked you through the like the process of of him like trying to think of a better way to say whatever he was about to say. So I appreciated that. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought he was trying, and I mean you've you've seen it on Twitter since and probably beforehand, where you know he says things that are sort of in his typical style, and then he'll follow it up with you know emoji emoji. I really want to be inclusive emoji emoji. 
And I kind of appreciate it. You know, I think what, the way that I translate all of his comments like that is like, Hey, I know that I am like sort of incapable of being that guy that actually embraces other people's ideas. Like I'm incapable of doing it, but know that I actually like of expressing that idea at least, but just know that I, uh, I will not make decisions that aren't inclusive. Right. Right. Uh, so pardon the style. Like that's how I hear those comments. Yeah. I, I, I will agree with that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciated it. Um, yeah, definitely. And again, you know, it was, it was very tough to hear. So like the, the parts that I like picked up on whenever he was talking, um, were very, like I, I wanted them to, it was a, a little victory for me too, because I was like, Oh, I understood what you said and I can kind of see your slide over here. So wait, <laughs> I appreciated that. Um, but there wasn't nearly as much of that as, um, like the, the panel, but yeah, I, 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 I was happy with his tone, especially comparing against last year. Yeah. What's in my backpack for the zombie apocalypse? Uh, didn't work for me, but I'm just going to say whatever on that. Like, yeah, zombie. It was, a, it was a very long metaphor, but I got it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I thought the, as a sort of opening to, a, to a keynote, um, it was lousy, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you were, if you had nothing to do with the community and just said like, how was this as a speech? I mean, it, it started bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, I, I picked up and whatever, you know, I don't think we expect for the keynotes at a open source conference from the founder to be, you know, amazing speeches. Uh, you know, it's not, we don't expect like Barack Obama to get up there and, and wow us from moment one. Right. Um, then man later, uh, so we had Tender Love's keynote, and that was phenomenal. Like he knew how to give it, give a talk. Yeah, I didn't watch that yet, but he probably came out guns blazing from the guns, beginning. Guns blazing, bunch of jokes, very nice. Yeah, but um, and then we had um, what ended up basically being a keynote yesterday um, from Sandy Metz, which it, it followed immediately by Kemp Beck. So I got the the one two punch there uh, to just close out the day. So comparing. Comparing DHH's like opening to that, it was it's just there's no contest. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, uh, I think it's there's literally no contest. I mean, he's always in that spot, so he, <laughs> he can get up and give a lousy opening, and it fundamentally won't change yeah. um, whether he gives it next year. Whereas if any of the other people you mentioned uh, weren't who they are uh, presentation wise, then they would not have that spot again. So yeah. I mean, it makes sense that they would be better. Yeah. And, um, and it's clear, like, it's clear again, he, he put a ton of effort into, um, like he, he was doing a ton of introspection. Um, like why, why am I here? Why, why am I doing this? That must've been just a, a, a trend for him over the past year because, you know, it was, it was clear that you can't just switch this. Like I'm being nice right now today. Um, so good, good for him. Yeah. Good for him. I thought last, Okay. Actually, my last thing about his, I thought that the, the use of Basecamp, GitHub and Shopify as like the examples of the small teams was absurd. I've got a small team for you. I mean, like, I was like, wait, you just said you have 47 people, like, I don't know, 20 of whom are programmers or 50, whatever the number is. And GitHub, hell, I mean, they've got say 250 people in the company and of those a hundred are programmers and Shopify just, you know, filed for their, for their IPO and have a, you know, army of people. Yeah. These are not examples of what you're talking about. No, small, small teams, are like the people that I was meeting on the floor, like, um, uh, I met someone who was building now. I'm not going to talk about that. Um, yeah. Building like a big thing himself. That's a small yeah. team. Yeah. Bu- building a big thing yourself, uh, for your own personal use like that, that is a small team. That is, that is what who Rails is for. Like all, all of the really cool people that I got to meet on the internets, yeah, or uh, not off the internets this week was that those are the people that Rails is for. Those are the small teams, um, you know. I went. How many people did David mention in his speech? I don't remember. Um, Boy, not a lot. <laughs> Com- companies, yeah. I did not count how many people. What would you put the over under at? 
Um, man. I, I honestly, I don't remember. I'm going to go like four. Four? Uh, three. Yeah. Like an impossibly low number. Right. Um... Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll fault. I'll fault his presentation for that. All right. I'm trying yeah. to think of. Um, like I'm trying to compare that to other. Oh heck! I mean, have you watched? Okay, I'm gonna. I, I have no uh, authority to do this, but I'm going to attempt to, to give you homework. Which is, have you watched the Ember Conf keynote from this year? I've not. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Uh, if I promise you that you'll you'll enjoy the experience, will you do it? Oh, sure. Okay. You sure. will be fascinated by the Ember Conf keynote. All right. And um, when you compare and contrast it, which was done by uh, Tom Dale and Yehuda Katz with David's keynote, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Are they different? <laughs> like, unbelievably so. It's just mentioning people, 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 community, oh. community, community, community. Absolutely. Yeah. It's got to be 10 X. The people mentions. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, it's a, it's it. a far superior keynote. So like I, he, here's my deal about, about DHH's, you know, and DHH in general. Like I love rails. I, I don't think that rails would have become, I mean, something else would have been invented at a similar time that would be currently popular, but would it have been Ruby and would it have gotten enough momentum early enough to create such like a early lead that would result in today's ecosystem? I don't know. Maybe not. And, uh, even if it's possible that it might not have worked out that way, the fact that it did, uh, or even if it's possible that it could have worked out anyways, you know, the fact that it worked out the way that it did, I am saying a big thank you. But that doesn't mean, like, I don't, I feel like people overdo it, feeling like they have to continue to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The reality is if David never did anything with Rails again, it wouldn't impact Rails. Negatively. Much. And, you know, like, I think that we can hold, mm-hmm. at this, at this point, well, that's not a shot at him. Like, I'm just it's saying, right. I don't I think say, the community depends on him. I, um, I appreciate, um, I don't know not necessarily a figurehead, but like a, someone highly opinionated in charge of a project is extremely important for that project to, oh, to keep going. I, well, so I agree. And I, this is actually my point. So if you watch, um, like watch the Ember Kampf keynote. And then as a thought experiment, imagine Tom and Yehuda as DHH for Rails. I don't mean like people like them. I mean them. Them specifically. Sure. And imagine who would be better for Rails right now. Uh, Homework. I I don't think it's close. I think that David was absolutely the leader for the beginning. And I kind of question if he is now. Um, and... And part of that is that I, I've seen now in other open source sort of communities what great leadership looks like. And it's, I don't think it looks like David. Um, so anyways, but I'm interested, I'm like very interested in your point of view on that. Because, you know, I I don't feel that strongly about it, I guess. Um, but I think it's an interesting thing to talk about that people don't talk about for fear of, you know, uh, sure offending. Right. Yeah, we we don't want to be like cast out of the society. Oh, and, and you oh. know that's like that that's that's. I don't know. You you don't want to you don't want to commit some type of heresy. Well, hey, I I I mean, I think one of his points in his in the keynote was that he, that he likes that. So, in other words, like I mean, he he extolled the virtues of being heretic, heretical, heretical. Is it heretical or? Her- her- it's heretical. It's yeah. Heretical. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I, I think that, you know, perhaps it's heretical to say, you know, boy, uh, I love Rails and I like what DHH has done over the years and I would love to see him pass the baton to new leadership. Like, maybe that's heretical, but I don't know. Maybe it's not. You know, happens in everything else. You know, you don't have the benevolent dictator for life in anything, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would say like, I, I, I'm relatively newer to rails, you know, a couple of years, but I, 
every time I do hear him talk and I, I see what he's doing with the framework, I, I, I enjoy it. So I don't really have a lot to back that up. As in, like, I, 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 I will watch your, your, I will watch the, uh, <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'll watch the opening keynote for that and definitely like see what, um, a newer, you know, newer leaders in a newer community will be like. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a promise. Yeah. Now it feels like my, I, I, this is the first time I've ever heard you sound a little uncomfortable. Uh, a little bit. Um, but why? Like, like uh, I, I find that strange. Like what, why? I, because I don't know. I, I tend to, I, I'm a diplomat and I also, you know, I, I, my, my opinions and my like point of view I, as a, a, an exercise are always subject to change. And that tends to put me at a disadvantage because I'm not like, I'm always willing to hear um, someone else's opinion. And most of the time it is very convincing. I'm, it's not that I'm easily swayed. It's that, you know, I appreciate that if somebody cares enough about something, then it's going to, uh, impact me some way. Maybe you just surround yourself with convincing people. I think I do. I think I do. (laughs) You're Um, a magnet for convincing people. Yeah. But I, I'm, I, so, so I'm, I'm a bit surprised with how, like how I feel about, you know, like server side versus client side. I didn't realize like, this is probably the first um, long form conversation I've had about it. Um, other than just like having it kind of bouncing around my head. So I, I'm kind of surprised that I've been like, I'm, I'm a bit more reserved and, um, in, inflexible on that. I think now perhaps, perhaps you don't like this, but I think that, that your point of view was like an excellent stand in for the most common point of view of, a rails first programmer. I'll take that. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean like, I think it was somewhat prototypical. And I, 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 I absolutely don't, don't take offense to that because that is, you know, it, it's a tool set. Um, and I tend to think about, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm thinking about more of what I'm going to be building than how I'm going to be building, um, for better or for worse. Um, and so, so maybe, maybe that's a, a, a a problem that I have is that I don't think about which tools I'm using um, more than I should be. I think life in the suburb of rails is just comfy. That's what I think. Life in the suburb of rails. It's comfy. And oh, I don't, I mean, I, so good. I think it is like, it's I mean, like, like today, for example, I wrote a bunch of Ruby and I wrote, wrote some JavaScript and I was bouncing between rails and Ember and, uh, Man, it, like the com- Rails is certainly the comfy suburb of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very comfy, and uh, you know you know <laughs> you can you can jump in the van and go go to the Walmart. Yeah, I can drive down and like and, and hit the parking lot and like have very few concerns about picking up a big thing of Tide. Like exactly. very few. <laughs> there are many ways for you to get your Tide. Yeah, and yeah. and but that I think that. Uh, we don't have time to go into this, but I think there are probably, it probably would be an interesting thing to explore, which is like, um, like, why is it like, what are the consequences of having a comfy suburb? You know, you start to fear things. I think, um, you start to value the sort of, you know, groove of, of the convenience of your life. And it's not because it's actually the right model necessarily. It just, I, I think it, it creates a mindset is actually my main point. I think it creates a mindset that is blocked from considering ideas. Yeah. I'm, I'm also, I'm wondering if the, the suburb, uh, if that is a bit of a, a, a leading analogy to, or a leading metaphor too, because I mean, I could say it's the, the, you know, inner city, the uh, like neighborhood of rails where like I can just walk out my door and I can go get, you know, I can go get a, a bagel and a banana and all the tide I need without needing to go very far. Yeah. Does that make, I, I just, um, I'm wondering if the suburb metaphor. Oh yeah. Like, I, I, I thought zero about it before it came yeah, out of my mouth. I really like, I love the phrase. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I think that the comfiness though, that it just feels like, it feels comfy. It is. It is comfy. I think the the thing to explore next time on this is there. Uh, 
there is something to, uh, I think, the reaction that, that you had that's also prototypical with respect to being uncomfortable about criticizing DHH in a sort of level-headed, non-snarky way. I feel like people do not get... Like, there, there's a bunch of people that are, like, nasty and snarky about him, which I, which I don't like. It, um, but there aren't as there aren't a ton that like want to keep how do I say this right there aren't as many people that aren't snarky but are critical oh man i just i think i just made a connection too um that that there's one of the benefits and one of the comforts of rails is just being told what to do you know it's the it's kind of a like a communist mindset of, it's it's pretty bossy yeah, it's it's extremely bossy, but there's a comfort in that bossiness of I don't have to think about um, a lot of these decisions for better or for worse. So I think that that might be the that might be the underlying difference in um, you know the two camps where where I'm comfortable I'm a, I'm more comfortable I'm not comfortable having being told what to do. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah, but um, the I'm more comfortable having that set out with the implicit contract of your th- whoever is telling me that they are they know what they're doing. Um, and so as soon as that that question starts coming up, not saying like don't question your leaders, but um, I haven't had a need to question because it has been working for me. Whereas whenever you go with client side uh, client side rendering and, and all that, you are already inherently questioned. Uh, yeah, you know, I what agree. What you're doing and what you're, what you're working with. I mean you almost like, need like a something above those two to subscribe to, which isn't, uh, you, you know, which, which like if, if there was a rails that wasn't a, t- a tech framework, but rather was the assembly of let's just say rails and Ember. Mm-hmm. And then it says, okay, we're not going to try to merge these two. We're going to say, this is a way to do it. And here's how, um, I think it'd be fascinating how many people that have the prototypical Rails reaction would switch quickly. How sure. do you think? Sure. Uh, um, and um, this kind of this this is what Sandy talked about. Actually, we don't have time for that now. Okay. 